are listening to WHOA Podcast, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV Podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. Hey. Whoa! <laughs> I am your host, Colin Austin, and my co-host is the savagely sarcastic COE, <laughs> chief of everything of New Scooters for Less, my man, Michael Dees. Am I that what sarcastic? Am I that sarcastic? I know, savagely you? sarcastic? I mean, somebody thinks you are. Yeah. Yeah. They wrote it in the copy here. It was, re- it was Rebecca, wasn't it? I can, only, uh, I can only read what's written on the paper, man. <laughs> I'm like, a little sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? Dude, I'm well, man. Yeah? Yeah. Anything new going on? New, new year, January. This episode goes out January thirteenth. Man, they keep twenty twenty. I'm loving it. Twenty. I can't. Can you believe it's twenty twenty already? Yeah, it's crazy. I literally booked it's a haircut thing. the other day, and they were like into twenty twenty, and they're like, "No, we can't do this because we're not ready for the new year yet." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, well, okay, dude." A new decade too. Yeah, twenty twenty. And it's funny because everybody keeps saying, "Oh, yeah, you know, you know how we did like our word. We did like our word of the year, right?" And so everybody else has been like, "Yeah, our word of the year is vision." Because of because 2020. That's 2020. <laughs> <laughs> like I've heard so many people be like, oh, my, our, our word, our like focus for 2020 is vision. I'm like, your focus, <laughs> vision, 2020, I uh, got it. So as somebody that takes what other businesses do, are, are doing and do, does the complete opposite, what, what is yeah, the word well, for? I mean, our word's not vision. <laughs> I mean, I was kind of going the same direction at first, but then I'm like, no, everybody's doing this, so we need to change it up. So we got to do something I mean, okay, so different. if you had to summarize 2020 in one word, like a focus, what would you say? Oof. Uh, the dead, that was the on dead, the spot. The that dead the silence. Spot. That was on of the airtime. Um, see, that's tough because like coming to you next week right. on the podcast. Because <laughs> I, I would almost want to say like focus, like a, t- a more like tailored focus, but focus also sounds vision related and twenty twenty yeah. related, and that seems right. like a cop out. So I don't know. Oh yeah, next next week. Yeah, right, next week. Write, we'll, write it we'll down in a, your notes. We'll have a revisit we'll have, on we'll, this. We'll have that. So well, cool, man. So there's some there's some events going on in Gainesville there as, are. as we approach uh, February, actually. So like, tell us what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. We got the 2020 Gainesville Heart Ball. Uh, it's a black tie event that offers an evening of dining, dancing, live and silent auctions. All proceeds go to the American Heart Association and their efforts to fight heart disease and stroke, specifically through research, education, and outreach. Uh, that event is on Saturday, February 15th, 2020. That's my 34th birthday eve, uh, <laughs> and it's at the Hilton UF Conference. Center, so be sure to check that out. Awesome, and you yeah, know we, we do. We had um, we had uh, co-host fill in back in the. Oh, I'm trying to think how long ago that was, okay. but it was a long time ago. But uh, Joe Lowry, um, who came on the show and interviewed with me, which was really great. Like that's that's something that's super personal to him. Um, and like I don't know. Hopefully, he doesn't care that I say this but like his his son had had surgery at a very young age um due to some of that stuff so he's very mm-hmm. involved in and so i just say please like support that you know support that organization doing doing a lot of good out there so go to go to the gainesville heart ball february 15th 2020 and i want to let everybody know the 10th annual gainesville real estate forum is being put on by bo beery and james moore cpas and consultants um, you guys, this is this is gonna be a really great time to get you know to get your knowledge of what's going on, the trends, and and really in Gainesville's real estate market. Um, it's going to be Thursday, February sixth, at the Best Western Gateway Grand. Um, they're doing networking from four thirty to five thirty, and then the show's starting at five thirty. And it's cool because they have like they're doing a like a panelist of speakers this year, and um, they're gonna have Betsy Papine of P- Papine Realty, uh, Charlie Lane from UF, and Stephen Weeks, the the housing program manager of Alachua County. Um, they all they will all be there on that panel. It's gonna be I know it's gonna be really really good stuff. I'm excited to go to it. And uh, so be sure to go to Gainesville RE for real estate. So GainesvilleREforum.com uh, to get your tickets and to get those now because this event will sell out. It's sold out virtually every single time they've done it. So um, and and I've I've seen footage from previous ones and it's really good. So so go check it out. GainesvilleREforum.com Com. Definitely seems like an interesting time for real estate in Gainesville, especially from the commercial side. There's just there's always cranes going up. <laughs> lots happening, yeah. man. Lots happening. So, well, cool. You ready to get into Let's the show? Get into it, I'm man. like super excited, you guys. Today on the show, 
we have Brian Aurelio, owner of Brooker Pest Control, a full-service pest control company offering termite, mosquito, and lawn control right here in Gainesville, Florida. What is up, man? Good morning. How are you? Doing great. Doing. He's all loose. He's ready, <laughs> ready to get going. Um, it was the you hype know, song. it's funny. So like, it was the hype song. It was that Eminem "Lose Yourself" right before. He was, he was like, "Let's go, let's go." <laughs> he was like, "He's like, I listened to that on my way over this morning." I'm like, I'm sure you did. <laughs> uh, so you know, so Brian and I first met at at Greenhouse Business Leaders, right? right so this yeah. is a this is a group that that I like to go to on Thursday mornings. So I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give them a little shout out because it's really awesome. It, it takes place at Greenhouse Church um, every Thursday morning at 7:30 a.m. and it's it's a group of business leaders that that you know get together and. Uh, we share our problems a lot, <laughs> all, all of us business owners. You know, I think that's good. Like, it's, it's almost like a little mini mastermind session, and you get in there and you have the opportunity to really check, you know, uh, really, you know, share and get the knowledge of other uh, business leaders from not only from a business, you know, wisdom standpoint, but from a faith perspective as well, which is really really cool. So, uh, anybody who's listening, you want to go check it out? Please do. It's at Greenhouse Church, seven thirty on Thursday mornings. But that's when I first met Brian, and and then like. Of course, like all these problems that I'm like bringing to the group, <laughs> like Brian sitting there, like answering them all and solving them all. And I'm like, man, this guy, this guy just knows his stuff. So I'm like, Brian, you got to be on the podcast, man. Let, let, like, let's do it. Let's do a podcast episode. And so he is here today and I'm super excited to get into this. So we like to start with everybody just kind of telling their story, you know, like what, like, why does somebody get into pest control? <laughs> and like what, like how, what got you to Gainesville? Like. You weren't like reborn and raised here or anything? No, or? I was born in uh, New York, Albany. Okay. And my parents worked for G, well, my dad worked for GE and they were shutting down all the plants. And there was a bait and tackle business for selling Hawthorne. And my parents bought that business. Like from when they were in New York? Yes. Oh, okay. And that's how we got to Hawthorne, Florida. And that's where I went to school at. So I've been here since 77. I, hold on, so I'm like, what is, you've been here since 77? Right. Okay. How does uh, your how do your parents in New York find out about a business for sale in Hawthorne, Florida? Like my grandfather was way in back the, when he was in the trout farm business, and he had connections everywhere, and he was involved with that business in some way. And he, anyways, he put my dad in contact with the lady who owned it. And trust me, when I first came here, I was like. We left New York for this, <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was good business. My parents did well. Um, everybody in Hawthorne knows my parents. My brother still runs the business today. Um, I left the business probably at the age of fifteen. Uh, okay, I was glad. <laughs> yeah. I love fishing, so if you fish, you don't get a chance to when you work there. Okay, so, but that's how that's how we we got to Florida. And um, like I said, I went to school in Hawthorne. A lot of people, you know, don't like school, small schools, but I mean, I thought it was great. I graduated with everybody that I went to kindergarten with. Oh my gosh, that's so, so I mean, crazy. You know, you know everybody, and yeah. everybody in that town knows you, you know their kids, and so it's, it's fun. It's, I don't go back there as often, but you know, I still run into them all the time, and so it's, it's neat for that part of it. And for pest control, um, it was just a pure mistake. One of my friends had gotten a job um, for Brooker's Pest Control. It was uh, owned by Jimmy Brooker, and he said, uh, we have an opening for you. And Mr. Brooker offered me a job. I was making like eight bucks an hour back in 1990. Okay, so how old were you then? Uh, 19. Okay, 19. And uh, I got going into it, and it was it was like a game for me. I and mean, you build your own route, so you you really are taught to run your own business from that point on. And I just excelled in it. I mean, I did really good for him. And then he sold the business in June of '94. Uh, and uh, Arrow Exterminators out of Atlanta, Georgia, bought it. And the day they bought it, the owner asked me to be a salesman. I said, man, I'm not a sales guy. I said, I like doing my, my tech. He said, just try it. He goes, give me six months. If you don't like it, you can go back. And I never turned back. Okay. Uh, once, I got, once I got into sales, I loved it. It was fun. Um, you, you, you meet different people every single day. And I, I've always enjoyed that, just meeting different people and their personalities and trying to get along with them. And, you know, selling was just fun. You could always do something different, find new new business, and that's that's where we we did this at. And then, I think it was in '05 they promoted me to manager and sent me to Savannah, Georgia. Um, and after about a year and a half there, I realized after working at that office, if I could work there, I could own my own business. Okay. That was the hardest office I ever worked at, 
And uh, my wife told me, she said, let's go back to Gainesville. And I found this business for sale as a one-man operator out of the town of Brooker. So when you, you start a business out of the town of Brooker, you're not going to be doing too much. So. <laughs> but we did. We, we got going. And um, after three months, you know, I, I knew the business in Gainesville. I knew we would, we would be fine. I had so many connections here. And after three months, I, I was needing another employee. And that's when I hired uh, Cody. He uh, was my very first hire, and he, he's my manager today. He's been with me. Uh, it's going to be 13 years he's been with me. Dang, that's cool. And uh, the very next guy I hired was uh, Mitchell, and he's been with me 10 years, and he's still with us. So most of my staff has been with me, I think, about six years or longer. Um, I got There's 20 of us now, and as you know, I don't really advertise. I just do everything by word of mouth, and I think that's the way I like it. Most of our customers are awesome. I mean, we... We build a good rapport when they love our, our technicians and the technicians love the customers. You say most of them. Am I like the one that's not? Most of them We don't talk awesome. about you too often. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, so okay, you get that job, you said in Savannah? Savannah, Georgia. All right, Savannah. And you were there for how long? It was right at two years. Two years. So in this, you're like, all right, I can I can do this, right? Oh yeah. And wife's like, all right, go back to Gainesville. Let's go back to Gainesville. Let's do it. So you find this biz. I mean, had you just been saving up money while you were working, and then you go and you like offer, like, how did you? I'm the typical business guy. Okay. I didn't save no money. Okay. <laughs> didn't save <laughs> any know, money. You okay. react on a, your your emotions. Basically, like a lot of people, you know, either you react because you you feel good about it, or something in the business causes you to leave. And I think that's what happened with me. I got to a point where I was a little agitated and, and I just felt like, you know what, I can do this, I'm gonna go back. And so when I came back, I couldn't get a loan to buy the business. No one would give me a loan. And my high school best friend, his mom worked for uh, M&S Bank. And uh, she, uh, she said, I can't get you a loan, but I can put you in contact with the right people. Okay. And I sat down with them and they gave me that loan. And I, you know, what the right people? The right people. The, <laughs> the, 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 they, but they made me write out a, a business plan. When I you know, say right people, it is like private investor. No, no, no. They, they, the, the bank, MS Bank, gave oh, me the loan. Oh, okay. I had to write out a business plan, sit in front of their little board. I thought it was like just connections of the person you were talking to. No, she to put me in contact okay. with, like, uh, I think it was Jim Stewart and Greg Grissom and a few other people in town, and, and they gave me my loan. They, they told me they believed in me. And I think just hearing someone tell you they believe in you, it, you know, it was. That made you excited. And, you know, after about three months, you realize, okay, that's not going to get you nowhere. You're going to have to get out there and, <laughs> right. and start right, So what year was that? That was uh, 2007. So 2007 is when you that's launched. That's when I went in business. Yeah, we went in business for ourselves. It was just me and Robin operating out of a, a little hole in the wall of our house. And okay. we had everything crammed in one room. So... I mean, so you bought somebody else's It was business. a one-man operation, yeah. So it was a one-man operation. Mm -hmm. Did that make it easier when you were talking to M&S Bank about, like, this money? Because, like, did, they, did the guy have, like, history reports to show that it was profitable? Or was it even profitable? Or do you even remember? You, it was profitable. It wasn't that much. But he hadn't, when I say he had nothing to offer, meaning they want assets. But he had a truck. <laughs> right. And, and M&S Bank doesn't want lawn spraying customers. They, they want assets if something doesn't. So uh, I had to, uh, you know, you have to piss off up as collateral, which what you can do. So I gave my retirement up as as you know, collateral. As collateral. So never had to touch it. So you came along, you helped me out. So that's, uh, that, that's, <laughs> that I mean, saved me. <laughs> uh, that's, I mean, I just find that super fascinating, you know, just the, I mean, because it's, it, it's not easy, it, right? Like you have to, you, you're gonna have to put up something. So what is it? Like, is it a house? Is it your retirement? What, like, what, how are you gonna back it? Youngest child. I mean. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> if I tried that, they wouldn't do that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, but you know what, 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 the other thing, I, you know, I guess I was kind of naive to the point too. I, I thought all the people I did business with and people I were made, re, you know, relationships with, that all of them would just jump in and want to help me. And it wasn't like that. A lot of people feel threatened when you come back and you go in business for yourself, like you're taking something from them. And I was like, wow, I mean, I, I can't believe they, and that, that's how it was. So when I met the business group, you know, and I started going there, I was like, oh my gosh, it'd have been so nice if I would have met this place <laughs> when I first bought the business. 
Oh, that's so true, man. I talk about like mastermind groups or just like like that small group. Yeah. I mean, that's it's super valuable just to be able to one understand that you're not alone. And you know, because entrepreneurship is lonely, it's like it's incredibly lonely. And so to know that, hey, there are other people that go through the exact same things that that I go yeah. through as a business owner is not only does it make you feel a little bit better about your problems and your situation, but you get you get valuable advice to be able to like actually help you through the situation or grow your business or whatever yeah. the case might be. Yep. So we've done that, and and every year it's just, you know it's, it's a chart that you want to see everything just keeps going straight up. Um, you know, we have t- troubles at times where you, you're like, how am I going to pay the bills? And we've been there. I mean, you write all the bills out and you're like, oh, crap, don't let us get a flat tire or nothing this week. We're, we're pretty tight. But, you know, fortunately, I've learned from all the mistakes as you, you know, you fail, you learn. And that's yes. what makes you a better business owner when you do fail. Your employees, you know, they don't realize it sometimes when, they, when you're actually failing because you don't want them to see how bad things are at times you got to keep that happy face on yeah and so you know the first year and a half was probably i think my toughest you know there was just one of those things because no one would give you loans no one wanted to give you credit everything i bought they made you pay for it on the spot you know now everybody wants to give you oh take 30 days you can take it on <laughs> yeah, i mean so it's it's definitely uh, a lot different as you get bigger you do get treated better so so do you mind telling us what that initial loan was it was a like hundred thousand dollars. Hundred thousand yeah. dollars. And so, how did you like? Did you know exactly how you were going to invest that money, or like where you were going to put it? I mean, you had a truck. So, I mean, were you instantly like, "I'm going to go get another team member. I'm going to go do no. this," or like, I mean, what was going through your mind? With I said, I, in my mind, I couldn't afford to pay anybody. So basically, when you get a loan for a, a pest control business, like I said, this is why they want assets. Well, that asset he owed forty something thousand on that truck. So the first thing you have to do is pay that truck off. So 40-something thousand of it went straight to pay that truck off. So the rest of it was to pay him for the business. And right there, I had nothing. So you're like, I mean... I, I mean, I literally... You feel like had, you should have played a little bit better? I, oh, oh, trust like, me. Uh, when, but, you know, it was funny. When I made that business plan and I told him how I was going to get the business, you know, this is when the market went down. I made my name in the pest control business with real estate and working with the builders. Yeah. Um, so when you're used to doing 100 real estate inspections a month and you drop down to 12, that's a big drop. When you're used to doing 20 to 30 homes for a builder and you drop down to one every two months, that, that, that hurts you. You know, you're like, oh my gosh, where am I going to make this money up? And that's in the lawn spraying business, I always hated that part of the business. I was good at it, but I always hated it. It's just not where you want to start your business off at because it's a lot of work. And basically what it comes down to, if that yard ain't green, it's your fault. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, that's, that's 100% true. I blame you when my yard's not green. Oh, I know. That's the people come right at us. And trust <laughs> luckily, me. luckily, it's green all the time. <laughs> so, but that's that's how. So that's how I started. And you're right. It was not smart. It was it was um, it was dumb. My pride. I didn't want to go to my parents and ask them for help because I didn't want my dad saying I knew you'd come to me. Oh. Uh, but I did. I went to him because he he told me I really like to help you, and he uh, they gave me a loan. I'll tell you, it's fifty. He gave me a fifty thousand dollar loan. And um, he said, I'll give you five years to pay it back. And I said, only way I'll do this, if we do it just like a bank, you charge me interest. And, and we did that. And I paid him back in three years. Cool. And uh, that way um, I, I felt good and I knew I didn't, I didn't want to take their retirement from them. Was there any chance or did you even think of it as an option of like asking that business owner to like owner finance the business? Yeah, or? he couldn't do it. No. He's a friend of mine and he... Uh, okay. Nope, he, uh, it was, there was no, uh, you know, it was funny. Everybody wanted me early on to go in business and they would want to pay for it, but they wanted to be control ownership. And I didn't want that. I wanted to be the control of the ownership. And uh, now that I've gotten successful, it's amazing how many of those people want to be partners with me now. Of course. I don't need a partner now. <laughs> I got my wife. She, she's my partner. Okay. So, so do you remember what month, like what month of the year that was when you bought that business? Yep. It was uh, May of uh, 2007. Okay. And do you remember by the close of that year, like what your sales were? Yeah, I grew it. Um, I grew it over 100,000. Okay. Yeah. I grew it over 100,000 and um, we finished the year out at right at 200 something thousand. And I remember Cody, I was talking to him and I told him, I said, as this business grows, uh, your payable increase and we'll get bigger and bigger. And he was like, 
you're crazy. This thing ain't going to, at the end of the first year, he was like, how did you know this? And I was like, everywhere I've ever gone, we, the businesses and pest control has always grown. And this is, so this is the way I've seen it grow in all the years, everywhere I've been at. So uh, I think Savannah was my biggest, you know, eye opener, eye opener, because I took that business there. It was in the hole. And after the first year, I grew it by almost, almost 300,000. And um, I said, wow, these people are making some money. And I said, this is, I need to get back to Florida and do this. So, <laughs> and then you realized that you had all these expenses as a well, company. Well, yeah, you don't think about that. I mean, <laughs> they, had, they bought everything for me and they did all the advertising. So it was easy for me to uh, make money. And I went, and you have to start doing it yourself. And it's a, it's a big change. So what was the biggest realization from going from employee to employer and all that time? Uh, the, the first true, uh, second, probably the second payroll when um, this one big job we didn't hadn't paid yet. Oh, man. And I mean, pretty much all my credit cards were maxed out. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, my gosh. I, I remember calling the guy and I said, hey, I was just going to call, see if that check's ready. Um, we could really like use it today. <laughs> and uh, he actually goes, it is actually. And then I went straight to the bank and I put it in the bank and that check was gone by the end of the day. Oh man. That's okay. You made I, it. I made it. <laughs> I had that feeling all too well, <laughs> man. Uh, sometimes I feel like it's a shell game. I'm like, all right, which, which account am I gonna like? I'm like shifting stuff around, moving stuff from personal to business, trying to like make sure I can like cover it, it was always positive on uh, Friday afternoon if I had if I had a couple hundred bucks in the bank. Yeah. I was like, we made it through the week. How so, much credit card debt did you have in that time? So, it's a funny story. I, um, I I was going after this big sale, and they gave it to me. I never counted it on getting it. So, when I called the chemical company, I said, hey, I need to buy this. It was like almost $20,000 worth of product. They said, uh, how are you going to pay for this? I said, as soon as I finish the job, I'll pay you. He goes, no. He goes, <laughs> we want to be paid up front. So, I took all my credit cards. So, I was 20000 in debt. Okay. And um, so you're like, yeah, well, you take seven different credit cards. <laughs> <laughs> it was only three. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like, like when I told my wife, I said, you literally, we, we can't buy nothing. She, she didn't realize how serious I was about we could not buy nothing. She's like, hey, you know, I tried to, I said, I told you, you did nothing about those things. So, uh, but no, we, we, got we the did the bag of rice and the, and the beans. Oh, yeah. We <laughs> uh, were the ramen noodles. It's like college all over again. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. That's funny. So, but it worked out good. I mean, we, we've grown, like I said, we've moved, uh, we was forced to move three times just because of growth. And, um, you know, the just, just needing more space, more space, more, more places more for team So, like right now, what? we're at a spot in the company, and it's a good problem to have. But you know, it's frustrating. But I bought the location where I'm at now, and I love it. Um, it's beautiful. Um, you know, yeah, I'm very proud of it. But, but we we don't have enough parking now. Mm. I, I could need. I needed almost another half acre. No, it'd be a good company benefit. Scooters, scooters, forever. <laughs> <laughs> you can you know, give everybody, give everybody a scooter. You can, we could like we could like wrap them. It could be the Brooker Pest Control scooters, Maybe and I like can get that three wheel scooter out there and start doing pest control out of that. Uh, absolutely, man. Yeah. We'll build you a custom trailer and everything. Little, you can like call it spray tank on the back. Absolutely. Don't yeah. think I won't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll take care of that parking problem for you. No problem. That would solve it too. Uh, so all the Brooker team members that are like listening to this, just Merry Christmas. Up. Yeah, you know, we got you, <laughs> got you. <laughs> uh, that's funny. So Mike, oh yeah, I want to talk about your hiring process because uh, you 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 hit two home runs right away in your first two hires. It sounds like thirteen years and ten years. So so what's the key to a home run hiring process? Yeah, there? seriously. Well, Cody was had that rare quality. He was young and cheap. <laughs> <laughs> he you know it's funny. He he had just quit his job. He had called me and said, hey. I was wondering if you're hiring. I said, actually, I am. And I had him come do an interview, and um, I hired him on the spot. And he, he was—he had a great personality. He does. I think you've met Cody before. He's yeah. a, and he's just one of those guys. Everybody's his friend. And, and uh, you know, that's the kind of people you like to work. When I hire someone, I always try to listen to their story. You know, hear what kind of background they they have and how their life is going. Because you can tell a lot by just listening to them. And then I, I always try to see how they're going to fit in with me and my personality and with the other employees. And we, we build a team where we do everything together. And if one guy's behind or something like that, we help that other guy. And that's how we do things. And Mitchell, um, he, you know, a lot of these, these guys too, their parents have taught them great work ethics. 
you know, when you don't have to teach someone how to work and they already know that, mm. that's a plus right there. And you, and you can you can spot that. That's the way they the way they dress, they hold themselves, and you know, how they come in and how they answer your questions. And how did you meet them? Um, so Cody, like I said, he called me looking for a job. Mitchell, just like out of the blue, or did out you? of the blue, okay, he, so he you just didn't literally. Know him before I had never met him. Okay. Nothing. Uh, Mitchell, uh, he actually brought his daughter to my daughter's birthday party when they was in like first grade. And he was just talking to me one day. He goes, hey, if you ever have any extra work or something, I don't, wouldn't mind working part-time. And he owned a crane business. He would set trusses for builders. Like I said, the market was down, so he, his business was down. So I hired him part-time. And um, after about a year, you know, I told him, I said, if you ever want to come full-time, I'll make a spot for you. That's cool. It, it took him two years to come to the census, but he... <laughs> <laughs> So, but he's been with me. He, you know, both of those guys are tremendous, you know, and, you know, and, and even with my office, I think Angie's been with me eight years now and, uh, you couldn't ask for a better, you know, office staff. She's, uh, she's, she's the brains behind the, the computers and all that stuff. I could, if, if I didn't have her, I'd be lost. Dude, all of them, man. I mean, like the guys that even come through here and through my house, I mean, just super, super polite. And, and it's, it's kind of, I mean, it really is inspiring because, um, I mean, I would like I look at it as like a labor position, like you know, but they're just well dressed, like well they present themselves well, you know what I mean. Right. And I I think it's cool that you've established like a culture of high like top professionalism in a. I mean, not to talk down about the type of job, but I mean it's like spraying bugs <laughs> you know like I, I mean I don't I don't look I at it to as be like, that guy that made I remember when I was at school I saw the Florida pest control guy come in there and we all poked fun said, oh my gosh look at that guy I would never do that and then, I'm that guy now okay <laughs> but no it, it's a it's a it's a great industry actually it's it's one thing if you think about it you can go anywhere in the state of Florida and you can get a job I mean, there's always bugs. <laughs> there are always bugs. That's that right. is for sure. Uh, I mean, so a little bit on the, I mean, act like talking about uh, laborers, if you will. Yeah. I mean, in today's day and age, I mean, there's so much. Uh, you know, we're, we just live in a tech age. You know, I think we even struggle here sometimes, like looking for great scooter technicians. I mean, have you had a problem finding people to do those types of jobs? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not easy. I mean, like you just said, there's not a lot of people that want to get outside in 100 degrees, spray lawns, you know, carry a 50-pound bag of fertilizer and fertilize, go up in attics, crawl underneath houses. So when I interview them, I tell them all the, all the good stuff right up front. You know, and you can see in their faces. And then I ask them, I said, one of the first things, have you ever crawled underneath a house? <laughs> and they all say, most of them will say, no, but I'm willing to. Mm. You know, so what we do is usually when they first start is we, we get them underneath there pretty quick. Because uh, if you've never been underneath a house, I know the first time I did it, you know, I didn't think I was going to be scared. That scared the crap out of me. Well, like from a claustrophobic standpoint, that, you came um, across a creature that, that scared the crap out of you. I'm always, I've always been scared of snakes. Yeah. And so that was my thing. There's going to be a snake. It's going to get me. And, you know, really, in all honesty, I, you know, I've hardly ever seen a snake underneath a house around the outside but underneath the house only a few times. But that's the biggest thing, and, and you'd be scared how, I mean, amazed how many people are scared of spiders. Oh, I mean, I spiders. you go underneath the house, there's a ton of spiders. So that would probably be the least favorite part of the position is going underneath houses. But, um, you know, if you can get past that, pest control is not hard. You know, it's really winning over your customers. Yeah, if you've got a good rapport and you can talk to them, you know, most people are reasonable. You can talk to them, you can under, daily understand if something goes wrong. But I think the, the way the core we built is to out-service our competition. And that's where my guys, I think, hands down, meet everybody else. They just out-service them, and they're always accessible, and they're polite, like you said. Yeah, so how do you, like, what things have you done to train that? Like I said, I don't think you can tr train some of that stuff. But, I mean, when we train, when we do take the guys out, we, one thing I do different than any other company in Gainesville, usually most companies, when I went through my training, in 20 days, I was on my own. Most of my guys go through about 60 to 90 days training before they're on their own. And they see how our guys talk to the customers, how they get to know them, play with the dogs. You know, just, our guys just, 
before when they go in a house, this, these customers know us. They know we know each other's kids. I mean, they they become friends. Right. And uh, you know, a lot of the customers don't do business with Brooker Pest Control because of me no more. They do business because of the technician. It used to be I used to know every single customer, and I just it's a good problem, but I mm-hmm. I don't. Have you had any like in that process? Do they spend any time like? with you or is it always like shadowing a person? And the reason I ask is because like, um, I mean, I think I think we do a great job with our team, we got incredible team members, but I also think sometimes, especially especially when, if there's ever times where you have to grow kind of quickly mm-hmm. and you're gaining team members, you know, maybe it's not just bringing on one new team member in the year, but it's five, um, what I would call copies of a copy. Right, and yeah. so you know, if you take if you take a piece of paper and you copy it, and then you copy the copy and you copy the copy, like it's not nowhere like the original, right? right. And so, right. Um, like, how do you ensure that the team member who is being shadowed is, you know, doing the right doing job. the right job? Yeah, doing the right stuff. So, if I got a team member that, that's getting complaints and it's not being resolved, and he's constantly getting the same complaints. Usually I'm involved at that point, and I start trying to remember what's going on. And if um, we can't resolve it, I mean, I just make a change. So fortunately, you know, we catch it on early on. You know, if something's not working right, we instead of trying to let the guy go or let the lady go, we said, okay, I see you struggling in this. And then we started working, working with them on it, trying to teach them and showing them. So most of our technicians, like I said, has been with me for a length of time. And we look at the amount of complaints that we get and we see which technicians are struggling. So if I get a technician that's getting a lot of complaints, we'll come up to them and say, what's going on? Why, why, why is all this happening? Something's going on in your life? And just kind of poke around a little bit until they open up. But um, when I let a guy get trained by one of our techs, you can rest assured that's one of the guys I got a lot of trust in. Yeah. And um, I mean, most of my, I trained probably the first five to six guys quite a bit. I would ride with them, you know, and see how they're going. See, and, make, and I, I would critique them. I don't do it as much. You know, I got supervisors in my lawn department now in my pest control, and they do all that training. My office staff, you know, I let the girls do the training, and they, they uh, kind of train them all the stuff. And then towards the end, I, I get involved. I let them, you know, just answer the phones around me and let them see how they're doing or see how the work's coming out. Uh, and I'll show up at jobs just to see how they're doing and make sure they're doing it to the standard that we like. Cool. I think it's interesting. Um, I mean, how do you how do you go about getting that feedback? I mean, do you just send like customer surveys or anything, or or is it just like you if if a customer has a bad experience, they pick up the phone and call you, and that the complaints well, registered that way? Well, it's, well, like we was talking about with bugs, if you got bugs in your house, you're calling. You're calling, right? That's true. <laughs> so, That's so true. I mean, so it, but no, I mean it's so some of the customers I run into, and it's so nice when you're because it used to be when you you'd be out to, going out to eat, someone would see you, and it's like I want to talk to you. I'm like, oh man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're it's like, gonna uh, those, it's gonna be one of those talks, and now it's like, hey, your guy Quran, he is the most amazing guy, you know, and, and, and I get that, I love to hear that, you know, and it's, like, it's almost like proud dad moment. Oh, it yeah. is, you know, and it's funny because we, me and Robin, do really think of them as family. When um, when I hired, when I got, when I got this business going, and we offered someone a full time job, I took that to heart that I'm giving this person a full time job, and it's my job to make sure I got enough business to where this technician will always get his hours. And I can say honestly, in the 12 and a half years I've had it, every person that works for me has is, is worked full time, has gotten every bit of their hours if they wanted to work. If they didn't get 40 hours, that was on them. So. That's cool. Yeah, I, the the added challenge, and we talk about it with our driver position all the time of somebody that's you know not necessarily working in an office constantly under leadership supervision or anything, but they're actually out there mm. uh, in the community representing your brand. You know, what are they saying? What are they doing? How are they acting whenever they're in company clothing? And and sometimes that's just the truth is it's it's not as uh you know professional as you'd want it to be because right. there's this feeling that because I'm away from the office that it's just not the same. So that, that, that's always an interesting challenge there for having remote employees and to hear such great things about the the people that you employ, the technicians is, I mean, that's well done because I know that's not easy. Well, two things, you know, that changed how business was done, you know, for pest control companies, you know, with uh, social media, 
you know, or someone's doing something bad, everybody wants to take a picture of it. Mm. <laughs> yes, they do. And, uh, send it to whoever. So, I mean, so anytime my guys, it, it, this is all true. I've had people take pictures of my guys, you know, laying down on the side of a grass area underneath a shade tree. And, uh, you know, it's hot. It was, it was resting. But in their mind is your guy's screwing off. He's, yeah. he's not doing Perception, the job. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And so I told the guys, I said, think about this. I know you just got done spraying for three hours straight, but that homeowner or that condo association, all they see is you sitting underneath the sage tree doing, you know, and I said, perception, that's what it is. So I tell my guys, I said, you want to go cool off somewhere, go pull behind somewhere and just rest for a little bit, go in the bathroom, clean up, you know, do stuff like that. Um, also, I put GPSs on the trucks. And, uh, you know, part of that was because I, you know, I did have a couple employees that I wanted to uh, check on. But the other part is to prove to the customers when they say, you know, we, we wasn't at their house that day, I can say, look, I can't prove to you that he actually got out and sprayed your yard or went inside your house but he he was parked out in front of there for 28 minutes and i can show you when he arrived and how long that truck was there and you know i think people's opinions change drastically when you can show them on a video of the of that truck driving up to the yard and just sitting there that's gonna be super rare though for you i mean i feel like it doesn't happen right, yeah my gosh you're like your reputation is incredible um and like from the gps demo, i mean that's probably a good accountability I mean, that that's what we have to do as leaders, and I actually struggle. Like I struggle with that a ton because I'm I I want to be I want to be friends with all of my team members. I, I want to be you know well liked and respected. I, like I, I hate holding people accountable. I'm like yo, just show up and do your job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like don't make me ever have to get on to you. I don't ever want to have to get on to you. When I got in management, that's one of the things they told me. They said you uh, said you can't be friends with your employees, and I told Rob and I said you know that's just not a true statement. I said. I'm going to be friends with all the guys and, and, and ladies that work with us. And I will say, I understand where they, what they meant by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you do got to separate it a little bit, but I told my guys, I tell them all up front, I said, man, I can be the coolest and fun guy to work with. We can go out and have a good time. I said, just remember though, eight to five, you're an employee and we got a, we got a job to do, you know, and, and I encourage all my guys and ladies who got kids, you know, if you guys want time off, you need to spend some time with your family. You got some kind of play you want. I never tell them no. I mean, that's one thing I think they like too. They know they can take off pretty much at all, any time and go do stuff. But I think, you know, like you said, you, you never want, I never wanted to be the one to discipline them. And um, that was the hardest thing when I had to fire the, my very first person. You know, because you look the man, the person in the face and I don't just see them, I see their wife, I see their kids. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I should have given them another chance. <laughs> but then you're like, how many chances can you give someone? Mm-hmm. And some, sometimes, you just, one, the one, what they did was just not enough. You can't do it no more. To me, you know, if you lie or if you steal from me, it's That's done. done. You, know, and, uh, I, you know, I remember early on when I worked for that Mr. Brooker, when he used to walk out his back door, he had this full mirror on the back door. And it's always stuck with me. And it said, would you let this person in, in, in your house? And you were looking at yourself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, man, I better straighten up my collar a little bit. You know? uh, yeah, and, just, okay. and I just always, I don't know, it just always yeah, stuck good. with me. Yeah, so I always like that. I mean, through your career, I mean, was there anybody, I mean, like, did you have, did you have a mentor? I mean, where, where did you learn a lot of this leadership? Probably, um, probably, you know, I, I guess most of it I learned on my own, but I, there was a, a man by the name of Jeff Singley. He's, he's passed away now, but he was one of Arrow's vice presidents. And um, he always took a liking to me and just showed me stuff and taught me stuff. And I always liked the way he handled him, handled people. He just had this slow Southern accent. And he would be getting on to you, but you thought he was, he was gonna get a gift out of it. You know, just, I, mean, <laughs> I was like, how's this guy get on to you and just punish you and you don't feel bad about it, you know? So, I mean, and, and uh, I think people like that when you're around them, you always wanna please them too. And that was one of the things, you know, he was always so good to me. So I never wanted to let him down. So that was that was one of the things. I think he was probably one of the bigger influences. Yeah. So does your does yeah. pest, Brooker Pest Control do they do just bugs? Do they do rodents? Do they do all like animal invasive like? <laughs> well, we we are a full service. So I'm I pick and choose on some of the wildlife I help remove. Like we'll remove some squirrels and bats and some possums and stuff, but uh, I quit messing with raccoons. That I got taught a good lesson with a raccoon, so. <laughs> really? Yeah. A lady, <laughs> sounds like there's a story there. <laughs> uh, we uh, was a lady in Hale Plantation that called, and um, she had said that she had a big cat up in the attic. Could I help her to get it out? 
I said, sure. I figure a cat wouldn't be that hard to catch and get out of an attic. Well, I get up there and it wasn't a cat. Oh, no. So I did like any pest control person who's never messed with raccoons before. I, I Googled it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the answer to everything, my friends. It, it, it was. And, you know, after watching that two-minute video, I knew I could do this. Okay. And, uh, so I took a broom and I just jabbed it right in the back end of it. That's what Google told you to do, huh? Well, it said, it said just, you know, just to take and tap on the side and just, you know, get it. Because he was right there at the soffit, so I could see the hole where it came in at. I figured I would scare it, and it would just run out of the hole and leave. That thing turned around and came running right at me. No. <laughs> okay, I'm short, so, you know, I can't reach up to touch the trusses or anything. And uh, so I just kind of started backpedaling. I didn't fall through the roof or nothing, but I ended up kicking this raccoon. And this, all this noise was going on. I fell into the side of the trusses, and uh, it did end up getting knocked out of the of the soffit. When I came down, that lady goes, "Oh my gosh, what happened to you?" I said, "Hey, the raccoon's gone. That's all that matters." You know? But uh, yeah, it was. I thought I was going to fall through her ceiling. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh! Yeah. Is that the craziest thing that's happened? Um, probably the worst one was with a squirrel. It was a night. It was uh, two days before Christmas, and uh, the lady had said a squirrel was in her pantry. And um, it was so I I didn't want to do it, but she t she told me some property manager. Uh, she said he's real nice. He won't walk away if he'll help you. And I came over there two days before Christmas, and sure enough, she she had a squirrel coming out of the pantry. It ate through, and she her pantry was just loaded. You know, well most ladies' pantries got jars and jars of stuff, so you know where this is going. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, I can just grab this squirrel, and I grabbed the hold of it, and I had bite gloves on. Because squirrels will bite you. Well, that doesn't mean it's not going to hurt. <laughs> and that sucker locked on to me, and he would not let go. So I'm, you know, Were you I, like screaming, or I, like, ah! so I take the thing next to the railing. I just whacked his head against the railing, trying to get uh -oh. it let go. The lady didn't freak out on me, but the husband's like, "What are you doing?" He goes, "You have to be the cruelest guy I ever <laughs> oh, met." No. I was like, "Oh my god, he's gosh. biting me!" You know. <laughs> so I finally get this squirrel off, and um. This other squirrel came flying out the hole, <laughs> and it knocks over the jars of spaghetti. So no, the spaghetti sauce all over the place. And in the in the condo, it has a corner section. That squirrel ran up through the little hole in there. I'm like, how am I going to get this squirrel out of this hole? So I end up calling this other wildlife guy to help me out because he's a, he was a pro at it. And it, after two and a half hours, we get this squirrel out, and there's a family of squirrels up in that pantry. No. <laughs> they just kept on coming. Oh, my gosh. So we ended up getting them all out, and we we plugged a hole and got it sealed. Uh, that was a half a day before, two days before Christmas, so that was probably the worst. I'm sorry, man, but we have a $50,000 squirrel fee. <laughs> okay. do, you bill, do you bill by the time or by the job on that? Well, so I made the mistake and gave him a quote up front, so, yeah. Oh. I ended, actually, what was that quote? <laughs> well, I gave her a quote of like 175, but I had to pay the other wildlife guy 250. So I, I lost oh, money. Lost job, That's so. the worst. Oh my gosh, all that time. That was effort. one of those learning experiences, you know. Uh, you learn you're from like, yeah, mistakes. we charge a fifty thousand dollars squirrel fee now. <laughs> no, yeah. So, and you know, uh, at least you know, I would. Yeah. Well, you, you learn. I mean, so there's certain jobs I won't. So do, do you you're like? Oh, you get a squirrel? Like, let me refer you to this great. I go company. no. I go before I give any quotes. I go look at them. Okay. Okay. And uh, I'll make sure I can handle it. Uh, learn from failure. Yeah. Definitely learn, <laughs> yeah. So. That's hilarious. So do you, do you find a lot of customers are concerned with the humane aspect oh, of this? Oh, definitely. We, you know, I got to watch what I say because I'm someone <laughs> maybe, but we had one customer that had rats in their house in the um, duck pond area. And it wasn't just a little bit of an infestation. It was a lot. No. And uh, so we, we was catching them. But she was letting them go as we caught them because she didn't want us to kill them. And I told her, I said, I asked, I said, what's, what's going on? I can tell that they've been in the trap. She goes, well, I've been letting them go because I don't want you to. I said, you realize they're just coming right back into your house. You can't just keep letting them go. But uh, so I guess, you know, watching certain, you just got to watch because, you know, naturally you're not supposed to, we're not supposed to kill them. So if you trap a wild animal, you can call the um, pound and they'll actually come and get it for you out of your trap. You just got to watch. You can't have traps set up a certain amount of time. So you got to watch how you do a few, few jobs. This is if it's a humane trap. Like yeah. if it's like a glue trap or something like that, you're well, not. Well, we can do glue traps or snap traps for rats. But like if you're trapping a like an armadillo or a possum mm -hmm. or a raccoon, you, you need to have a, a live trap and a water dish in there. To, so, you know, they, they don't 
get dehydrated or anything. But, uh, you know, with raccoons or anything, you know, you put them in a cage, you can imagine how they're going to react. Yeah, they're not So happy. you want them picked up pretty quick. They'll, they'll hurt themselves more than, than the cage does. So. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> and that's always a concern. Like, anytime we've had a, a minor infestation problem here, and I, I'm one of them, too. It's always the, you know, you want to do it the humane, for, humane way first. Yeah. But if I'm honest, you know, sometimes it gets to a point where you've got you to fix the problem. And you kind of weigh, weigh them versus each other. Like, you never want to take that ultimate, like, aspect. But some people just want it gone ASAP, gone yeah, yesterday. They, they don't care how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's, I mean, that, that's an, that was an interesting question. I like that. Thanks, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, it is. It's like, we're just, I mean, we're, I, I'm very much one of the guys is like, all right, like, I don't want to waste any of my time on, on this. I, I don't really care how it gets done as long as it gets, and I like, and I don't mean that to be like insensitive at all. I would rather it be done the humane way, right. of course, but like, I'm just like, man, like, how quickly can it be resolved? <laughs> Especially if they're causing damage. I mean, like, something yeah. like that, it, it just presents a completely different. Most of the men, they're like, don't tell my wife how you're going to do it. Just get it out of the house. Mm, don't, okay. don't tell her. Just say it's already handled, you know. You know so most, of, most of the men just want, like Colin, they just want it done. They don't care how it's done. Just get rid of it. I don't want to invest any of my, of my time into it, so right. I'm so glad that there's companies I'm like also, yours. I'm also fascinated where that line is, because I don't think there's a lot of people that are worried about the humane treatment of, like, say, cockroaches, but as soon as you get to a certain type of animal, suddenly now we care. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's, that's true, though. You'd be that's amazed at how many people don't want their rats hurt. And, okay. Uh, so, uh, so I just tell them I say, well, unfortunately, I don't remove, you know, rats out of the home alive. They're usually going out. Okay. So, that's definitely interesting. I mean, I bet nobody thought that on our podcast we'd be talking oh, about rats. rats. <laughs> I didn't think we was going to be talking about rats. Uh. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> so, I mean, so what's like what's ahead? I mean, you've had you've had constant growth, right? right? Like really, like really consistent, and I mean. Every time I see it, like, yeah, man, like, growing up, I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I mean, do you see it leveling off? I mean, and what, you know, what do you do when it does? I mean, are you going to ex- ex- be expanding services? Like, what's going through your mind? As I'm already planning on probably hiring one or two guys this upcoming spring. Um, we hired two in the fall to get us through the fall and train them. Um, the growth just keeps coming. You know, you ask if it's going to slow down. You know, I sooner or later you would think it has to but here I am going on year 13 and I'm still adding one or two employees every year um, we don't advertise everything we do is by word of mouth so that's that's just a direct reflection on the, on the staff that we have and how good of a job they do um, if the economy keeps like it's going right now and it's super strong I mean look at Gainesville is exploding I mean if you would have told me this many homes are being built this many condos and apartments all the commercial that's coming in this town I mean you figure as long if that's growing like that, the building market controls pretty much all industry. If that building market's doing good, everything else is going to be doing pretty good, and that's why, that's why I mean I'm basing it on with the growth of Gainesville. It's cool. When you talk about not not uh, advertising, is that a, is that a source of pride because of the positive word of mouth? Is it just? too much business going on that you don't you don't want to put area focus there or is it like a natural like cap on your scalability because it just helps you grow at a rate that you're comfortable with it's both i think you know as a business owner you want you want growth you need growth if you're not growing you're gonna your business will die you gotta have growth um and if you grow too fast you start losing control of how of the employees and how you train them Mm -hmm. um a couple years ago i guess you know probably it was about the fifth or sixth year I've had, we had like crazy, it was almost 30% growth that year. And I had to hire several people. Well, I had to push them out the door a little quicker than when I normally would have. And our service dropped. And I got a lot of complaints, you know, and, and it, is, it is pride. I'm not used to getting a ton of complaints. And so I thought about it. So I'm not going to sit there and hire all these, I mean, just advertising this girl like crazy and then deal with all these complaints. That's not what I wanted. And you know, part of it is uh, I don't have to advertise. I mean, when you grow at 15 to 20% a year and you're not spending much on, I mean, I, I'll tell you, I only spent like 180 bucks on Yellow Page ad for, for, and it does some online stuff, but I don't, that's all I pretty much do in my trucks. Oh, what is that? What, yeah. the, the book? Yellow Pages? <laughs> yeah, when, it's, what is that? We, got some, we do have some old customers in here. <laughs> so they, they actually use the phone book yet. I haven't actually seen one in a long time, but... Uh, okay. 
But that's we do, and it's mainly for the online presence. So, but I don't do any of the paper clicks or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Interesting. The uh, out of all of this time and growing your business, what has been the biggest failure to this date? Can you you recall the biggest failure? Yeah, man. I know it hasn't been all roses. <laughs> I, I no, want to know what's what's happened in your business that you've that's been a I that think you consider my biggest failure I can learn from. You know, when you trust in some of the employees too much, I guess I had a couple of them steal from me, okay. and um, you know, I, I think um, thinking having the mindset that you know if you treat people good, they're going to treat you good, and they're not going to ever do nothing wrong. I guess I was naive at that point, but I think that it's a failure to point I didn't recognize it for almost a year. Cause I just I used to let people just go in and grab whatever chemicals they wanted to get, and uh, they they clipped me for about seventeen thousand. Dang. And but you know what? At the time, I, I was furious. I mean, I just I, I I didn't want to be nice to any of the employees, and I wasn't nice, you know, at the time. And I, you know, I think I actually wanted to sell the business. I actually got that upset and that I was just it was just a bad time. I just couldn't believe someone did that to me. But with all that said. I got the GPS systems and I, you know, I make people sign in and out and I took more control. So it made me a better business owner and it made me appreciate the employees that are good a lot more. Yeah. So. Dang. That's definitely. It's, always, it's, it's like your worst nightmare. It's like like you, it was, you, you just, you fear that and you never want to believe that it could happen. And it's just such a, I don't know, it's such a mental Olympics. Like I even think about it, it's like, okay, well, what was the reason that that employee felt the need to do that? Were they selling it, you know, off on the own for profit? Were they not happy? You know, it's just like, not, not that any of that should matter. At the end of the day, they stole and that's, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that's bad you know, Or were they struggling and really needed the money and instead of like coming to you and just talking to you about, you know, like those are we things that go through my mind. I'm always like, man, like why didn't, <laughs> if something like that happened here, I'd be like, why didn't you just like come talk to me? like? And that's what it, and that, that's what got me is because all my employees know my door. I always the rule is in my office if my door is open, you can come in. Yeah. If the door is open, that means that you're you can come talk to me. And it's always open. I mean, I very rarely close the door. And uh, so that's what I guess that's what bought. And, and the, the couple employees that it was with, I helped out. So I mean, I guess you know it's, it's fine. I mean, I, I see them around town now, and um, I don't wish them any. It will. It will or nothing. I'm yeah. glad they're doing good. And, you know, I think deep down they feel a little bit guilty. I mean, at the time they, you know, I think they, you know, I could see one of them definitely felt guilty. He apologized to me. So, I mean, that was, that was fine. So, but, you know, I think it helps when you got a, a good, like my wife, she's one, she's my best friend. She backs me up and she's, uh, she helps me calm down and sees the other side of things. So it's good to have her. Has there been anything like that? when you look back at the early part of your career and now you like, we'll look at where you're at today. You're like, man, I like, I've really grown in this specific area. So when I say this, um, the pest control part of it and the termite part of it was almost non-existent when I first bought the business, it was all, it was probably 90% lawn spraying. And you know, you don't want that in your business, 90% of the lawn spraying. You want to be termite, pest control, lawn. And, uh, I would say the termite is, well, I know for a fact, the termite is the, the biggest part of my business now, and pest control should overtake the, the lawn this year. Okay. I'm coming up in 2020. Um, so it's it's almost evenly. It's like 40-30-30. That's how evenly matched it is. And so, I mean, the growth, it grew in every category. When I say it grew in every category, it literally grew in every category. I mean, you couldn't ask for it to do better the way it did. Okay. Same question, but for you as a leader, like your own like characteristics, like is there anything where you look back and you're like, man, I've really grown as a leader in this specific. I think area. patience, sitting back and listening to to the, everybody talk and ask the question. I used to interrupt everybody and, and finish the, the and then my, it would drive my employees, especially my wife, nuts. And um, I think being able to sit back and and I I don't sometimes give the answer right away. I said, you know what? Let me have a few hours to think about this. And that way, when I come back, I, I at least, you know, give them a fair shake and thought about what they asked me. That's good. 
It's one of my favorite lines from a, from Pulp Fiction, if you've ever seen it. There's a line with uh, John Travolta, Numa Thurman. She says, do you wait to talk or, you know, or do you listen or you wait to talk? And he actually thought about it because she caught him on it. And he says, I wait to talk, but I'm trying to change that. <laughs> uh, and um, hold on, I had where's my last question go. Oh, so I know like you're a, I don't know if you're a big routine guy, but you have, you have a pretty solid routine. I do. Right. Um, I know from the from the fact that like like what time do you, you wake up early, right? You're early I'm up riding. every day by three. You're every oh. dude. This is like the second, second in a row. row. <laughs> okay, like how are you guys getting up at three? Like I mean, we just <laughs> what time do you go to bed? Usually between nine and nine 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 and nine thirty. Nine thirty. Okay. Now on weekends I'll stay up a little bit longer, but uh. All right, so we just had Steve Noodleberg on the podcast, and like he I made my bed and drank something green this morning. Just <laughs> so you know, thanks, yeah. Steve. Yeah, so did, <laughs> hey, so did I. And uh, and I've been I woke up at four thirty this morning. There you go. That's so what time I wake up. That's much like, I thought. I'm was trying. Well, like, I'm, like, not three. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely do trying. Like, dude, three a.m. So when I was a kid, me and my brother was made to get up early to work at my parents' bait and tackle business, and so we had to be out there by five. Okay, so it was just almost habit by then. Huh? Oh. I, it, even when we go on vacation, you know, I'm up at three. And not and it's not that I, w- I would love to sleep. But I actually envy when people say, I slept in at seven today. I was like, oh, I would love to see what it's like. <laughs> you know, um, but, it, you know, I wake up at three and it's like, I don't even need an alarm clock. I wake up and I'm never in a bad mood. I'm always like, okay, let's, let's do go. this. Yep. And I get up, I get a cup of coffee. I do my prayers. I do a little bit of reading. And um, then I go to, the, I'm usually at the gym by five. And then I come back, shower, and I'm try to get to the office right before six thirty. Mm-hmm. Dang. <laughs> and you and you also you're pretty good about cutting it off, right? Like yeah. you so hit five o'clock and five o'clock. You I, I don't even let my employees take their phones home. They're not supposed to, anyways. I mean, I, t- I say when you leave the office or if you're in your truck, five o'clock the phone turns off. They say, well, I said it doesn't matter. I go, your customers. They're going to wait. They're, there's nothing you're going to do. Are you going to go there at 5 o'clock? Are you going to take care of the problem? They go, well, no. There's nothing you can do. And the problem's going to be there tomorrow, too. And actually, if you train your customers that way, trust me, they won't call you after 5. And no one ever, on the weekends, I'm, I got two phones. On the weekends, they virtually never call me anymore on the weekends. Dang. So I See, love it. I could talk about this topic forever because I think that the, there's an interesting line between trying to give as much customer service as possible mm-hmm. and then being being true to, to yourself and to your team and giving them time to just be away and, and letting, you know, like you said, training the customers, but kind of doing things on your terms. I, I think in our experience, at least sometimes I, I feel like we, we try so hard to go above and beyond that sometimes it makes everything a little, I won't say below average, but not as good as it could have been if you channel those efforts positively towards a shorter amount of time, if that makes sense. Well, it, and I think the big thing for me was, is my kids and my wife, you know, I was never given, it was never, you'd be on vacation, Disney World, talking to someone. I mean, I, I think the biggest one is when my youngest one, when we was playing basketball and I took a phone call, you know, and here it is 15 minutes in a phone call, I see him put the ball down and walk in the house. Mm. And I was like, oh man, I just, I could see the look on his face. I, I just let him down. So I decided then, I said, you know what, when it hits five o'clock, that's my family. And that's what I do. I mean, so if, if I'm in my truck on the way home, you can reach me. But once we get in the driveway, I turn on mute. So, and it's done. And how long have you been in business before you made like that decision that cut off? Probably about fifth year, maybe. Okay. Fifth or sixth year. Cause I'm kind of going back to like, like, See, when I went like business, your, your thoughts on it, right? I'm I'm definitely like the customer service guy. Like, message me at ten o'clock, and if I'm if I'm if I'm like available, like I'm gonna take care of it. Um, and and because I look at it as as a competitive advantage, but I also look at it as a for us like we're I don't know. It's it's interesting. Like I want to say like very. Uh, I don't want to use the word hustle. I'll say hustle oriented, very growth focused. And like Brian over here, he's like, oh, we're growing no matter what. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, well, maybe not all of us are growing no matter what. And we have to like hustle our faces off in order to like get to that point, right? And Brian's like, oh, well, like, yeah, we're going to quadruple our business in 2020. <laughs> early on, I, I you know, like, take... not all of us have it that easy. Well, early on, I did. I took. I wouldn't turn a job. There was no such thing as turning down a job. I mean, there was homes that we had to dig our way underneath. And my guys, why'd you take this job? I go, because it has dollars. 
okay. and, you, and we need them. I said, but you know, it just reached a point where the guys were doing, they were falling into the same life that I was falling in. And they were taking phone calls at 8.30 at night, you know, and I said, God, they're there with their families and they're thinking that they have to work like this. And I just said, no, we're not gonna do this. Yeah. It's definitely something that I've gotten a lot better at personally. And and actually, it's funny because this uh, this past weekend, I was up super early. And I no joke, the kids woke <laughs> up at 6 a.m. and they're like out in the living room. And they're like, and I was working when they woke up. And, and they asked, you know, Maddox was like, my dad, like why, like, why are you up so early working? I'm like, because I want to be able to go to your basketball game this, like, today and and focus on your basketball game. I don't want to be, like, consumed and worried or, like, focused on these things that I have to do. So I, I've, I've gotten a lot better, really, because of, because of knowing individuals like you that do that, of, like, really saying, okay, I'm going to, like, dedicate this time. And, and, and I, you know, on Sunday, like, I knew that I was going to have to work like, cause I, I have a lot going on. So I like, I did, I spent a lot of time working on Sunday, but I've done a good job of even in my calendar, like scheduling out the blocks of time, even on the weekends being like, all right, I'm going to work on these specific times this weekend. Um, and so I'm just, I just schedule out the time. And that's the other thing you got to do is when you want time, like you just said, schedule your time off. So. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Oh, it, it is, is hard. I'm getting, I'm getting better though. I think I've done a really, really good job. And and actually, like, I'm, I'm actually uh, showing my team this. I call it like a daily accountability thing that I've been doing. We we use like our task oriented program called ClickUp here at the dealership and with with our media company and um, and and I have I've created like a daily accountability list and so it basically just has all of these i mean it's a very task oriented list right but that just lays out all these different points um and when you check one off it re it like the task comes back with the with the due date of being the next day and so one of them is is prayer one of them is meditation one of them is you know like quality time with the boys quality time with shannon like i mean just the there's probably 20, 25 different things in there. And then there's things that I'll put on like a weekly rotation. Um, but it's, but it's good because it's popping up in my email Mm -hmm. every single morning and I'm seeing those things being like, all right, like I need to hold myself accountable to, to doing this. And, and so far it's working pretty good. So I'm pretty amped about it, but once you get to routine, I mean, you guys all talk about how early it is, but how late do some of y'all stay up working on stuff? Yeah, pretty late sometimes. Right. Yeah, but so. but you know it's funny because this is what's so great about the podcast is when we have the opportunity to pick the minds of really smart business leaders, right? Like, there's a lot of commonalities in the successful ones, right? And luckily, like everybody's successful in their own right, and there and a lot of people are still trying to figure it out. I mean, we've definitely we've had a wide variety of people right. on the show, right? But like when when I look at the people, and I'm like, man. Like this is this is somebody that I that I really admire. They have those they have those attributes, right? Like it's very, um, I'm and one like one of them is waking up early. Like I said, <laughs> I, I never wanted to be that, but I was that way. My, I think because of my parents' business, we had to get up there and do that. I think that's what started it. Yeah. So, but um, but I do. I well, like. And to, sorry to cut you off. In today's day day and age, too. I mean, kind of like what Steve was talking about with, you know you know, by 9 a.m. the rest of the world is awake, right? So you are getting messages and you are getting emails and you are getting social media messages. You are getting all these things. Whereas you can like, if you can't wake up at 3 a.m., I'm not quite there yet, but like 4.30 a.m., I mean, I'm getting like the last, you know, the last week uh, in, in practicing this in Steve's episode, um, you know, you, you are getting an hour and a half of peace, mm-hmm. like focused focus time and like you can really bust out a lot of a lot of work in that hour and a half um so i don't know yeah i use it for personal time because for me it's yeah. like tonight i don't know if i'm going to be home at seven i don't know if i'm going to be home at 11 wow. I, I have no idea but i know that if i wake up at 4 30 from 4 30 until t- this morning eight but usually till nine or ten that's the time i can do what i need to do for right. me go to the gym grocery shop you know catch up on chores rest read anything like that so yeah well, it's been great because my, my, my kids have been, they wake up at six, get ready for school. So then I'm like, I like shut it down at six and I have that, that one hour to help them with breakfast and whatever, like anything else, just 
the, just that family time and then they're off to school and then the day starts, you know? So I don't know. I, I think it's, you know, I understand it's, it's always going to be different for everybody. Oh, yeah. Everybody's involved in different activities and different. So there's no one perfect routine and you have to like absolutely find the one that's best for you. But you got to wake um, up early. But I think you have to wake up early. That's one thing I'm starting to figure out. So if that's the case, I'll have two kids successful and the other one won't be. Because <laughs> leaves it all the time. Wasn't that usually the case yeah. anyway? Uh, he, he, no, all my kids are, you know, they're, they're, they're so much smarter than I am. But uh, yeah, it's funny because one of them, he would sleep all day if you let him. But he'll stay up all night long and he, and he is so, he's so bright. And he'll say stuff to me. Sometimes I'm like, God, I got to look up that word. What did he even use on me? So, but he is. He, he, the kids are, are really neat to watch because my daughter, she's like I am. Like she gets up every day and go most of the days and goes to the gym with me. Okay. Yeah, she she's she's pretty ambitious. How old is she? She's nine, uh, no, nineteen. Yeah. Okay. Yep, she'll be twenty. She goes to UF. Yeah. Does she do yeah. that because it's learned behavior from you, or? You know, I think so. I think she started, you know, early on. Just you know, she likes getting up early. I mean, when she was even when she was little though, she would we'd go to the beach and she goes, she'd come get me. Let's go, uh, let's go get some shells, or let's go do this. And so me and her was always the, the first one up, going out doing stuff together. That's cool. She yeah. probably realized that she could get that quality time with you. Yeah, and she could talk me into stuff. <laughs> uh, I mean, I always talk about like uh, you know the uh, five love languages. You know, and like mm-hmm. your kids. I mean trying to figure out what my kids uh, love languages and my kids are definitely at, I mean I can pinpoint it to quality time quality for sure time, yeah. they, they like that that focus I mean when you were talking about your kid in the basketball and like walking inside like I could totally see that happening in my life you know so like it's it's good they they cherish that that quality time that one-to-one yep they all do so Cool. This has been a lot of fun, man. I enjoyed it. Thanks for coming. Thanks <laughs> it goes for coming by on. fast, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. Thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for sharing your story. Um, where can our audience find you? Is it like your website, that kind of stuff? Yeah, uh, website's uh, www.brookerpestcontrol.com. Okay. And Brian's not a big social media guy. Yeah, where can they find you on TikTok? <laughs> yeah, you on, t- you on TikTok I just, there, I just learned about that today. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, but but they're on Facebook, so just go look them up, Brooker Pest Control, and and say what up, hire the business. And, dude, thanks for coming on. Thank you, guys. Was a lot Enjoyed of fun. It. Awesome. This is the WHOA GNV Podcast. The podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. whoa. Brian, give us your best whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.